Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Football Corner. My name is Vikram, and I have Mr. Bharat Kapoor sitting next to me. Bharat, say what up to the people. What up, people? This episode, we're going to be talking about two rounds of fixtures that happened over the course of the new year, and currently ongoing still. We're also going to be talking a little bit about whether VAR should be introduced into EPL or not, and our prediction for an exciting game next week. and then jump into a little bit about indian football if you guys are listening to this episode that means you love football just like us you should come check out our facebook group the football corner where we talk about all things football that's right guys there's going to be lots of memes lots of trolls and obviously our polls and predictions are going to be up there or conversely you can tweet to us at football babas that's football babas B A B A S. Looking forward to seeing you guys there. This episode of the Football Corner is sponsored by Makers Box, a maker space in Sprout Box, Surya Vilas in New Delhi. If you're an inventor, a creator, or love doing DIY hands-on projects, then you must come check the space out. You can find more details on makersbox.in or in our show notes. Let's jump right in. The first match we're going to be talking about, Bharat, is. Arsenal and Chelsea. What a rip snorter, Vicky! What a cracking game! That was a fun game, man. I mean, the first half was fun because it was it was offensive, a lot of chances and stuff. But the second half just floodgates just opened. It just reminded me. It just took me back to the Arsenal Liverpool game. Um, maybe not as sort of um, one sided in bits, but this was one of the most open games that I've seen. I remember talking about Arsenal United, and we were like, okay, that's the best game of the season. I think that's been trumped by this simply because. both teams really wanted to win this game and that's usually not the case in such a important derby you know this is a london derby it's two of the top six going against each other and both of them just wanted to win super entertaining stuff loved it the second half though man it was it was a goal fest i mean all of the chances that both these teams had in the first half started started to um they started to capitalize on that and convert from that so game ended to all But uh, there was there was there were a few incidents there which made Mr. Wenger angry yet again. He's always angry. His team doesn't perform too well or or doesn't take his chances, and then his defense is always creaking against good teams. So he's always moaning. Yeah, but the last two weeks the moaning yeah. just went next level, didn't it? I, I feel I feel for him though because that that West Brom penalty was not a penalty in a million years. Anyway, we're gonna get to that. He, okay, let's let's. Talk about it for a second here. Okay, Ch- Chambers handball, alleged handball, wasn't a penalty, sure. But his reaction to that, his react—you can't go into the referee's changing room and and call them referees from the dark ages or or just apparently got abusive and stuff like that. He's obviously charged by the FA. The hearings in a couple of days. Let's see what happens there. But he came out with a statement post this game as well, saying that the penalty they conceded was farcical. So he needs to he needs to tone down a little bit. I feel like he just wants a stadium ban or something like that, which definitely is going to come. At least a couple of matches are going to get there, but he needs to calm down, man. His team's not doing well. It's never been the greatest team ever, so chill. He doesn't want a stadium ban. Okay, <laughs> so he doesn't want a stadium ban. He's going to get a stadium ban. Most likely, he's going to get a touchline ban. At least, at least a touchline ban. That's the minimum repercussions we're going to see for his two outbursts that he's had. Mm-hmm. I feel for him on the first one. The second one. Not so much because it could have gone either way. There's contact and yeah, he up. does go. Starts up, up, up in the box. Up. Yeah, it starts that's up. A cha- that's a penalty in my book. It is a pen in my book as well. 
yeah, Hazard has a tendency to roll around and, and go down easily. But any other area of the pitch, that's free kick. It's a penalty. 100%. I I 100% think that the second one was a penalty. His his reaction to that was, uh, compared to the first one, way more muted. But regardless of whether... the he's, he's such an experienced coach. He's now the most experienced coach in Premier League history. He's been there, done that. You cannot have a reaction like that, whether you think it's a penalty or not. You can't go to the... To the to to the referees changing locker and and start like blasting them and calm down you you're old you're experienced you need to have show some maturity there right in his defense he just overtook Sir Alex Ferguson's record of 810 Premier League games Sir Alex Ferguson never got these decisions against him at Old Trafford he, he got those decisions for him he never used to be at the end of those decisions he used to be celebrating because of those decisions so I'll have to give him that. That despite all that, he's not been able to manipulate the press and referees like Sir Alex Ferguson used to do. And and Man United fans, you can totally hate on me for this, but it's true and you know it's true. That SAF used to influence referees. Not, okay, understood because his presence is so, it's huge and it's it's commanding and stuff like that. But there have been penalties that went against him in his career. There have to have been, right? In, okay. in tight matches. It's not like every, every decision was pro-United whenever Sir Alex Ferguson was managing. There must have been... A penalty that must have gone against him. You think he would have barged into the... Actually, he might have. Never know with that guy. <laughs> uh, I think um, without looking at the numbers, I'm fairly certain that most of the decisions went for him rather than against him, especially in the latter stages of the matches. When United needed a goal or they were pressing for an equalizer or for a winner, he usually more often than not got those decisions. I, I remember two of them against Tottenham where they were soft penalties and he got both of them. You're probably right, but coming back to this game, I want to talk about what Arsenal and Chelsea lost out on. Arsenal lost out on provisionally going fifth place over Tottenham, but Chelsea lost out on going second over United. They're now a point behind United and uh, on even games. So I think that's a big miss, but a game against Arsenal, a game like that, coming away with one point, it's not that bad a result. As a Liverpool fan, I was super ecstatic about the result. Before the game, I was actually thinking to myself, what result do I want as a Liverpool fan? And all three were fine with me. I think as a Liverpool fan, Arsenal's winning would have been best for you, right? Because then Chelsea stays at 45, Liverpool's just a point behind them. And it just makes their chase for second much easier. Yeah, but looking at Liverpool's inconsistencies under Klopp, right now, if you give me top four, I'll take it. Sounds about right, man. So, the reason we've been talking about second and third and fourth is because there's a team sitting up front, which is unrelenting, and that's Man City. Man City over the past two game weeks, they played Palace, a nil-nil draw there, and they played Watford with a 3-1 win. The nil-nil draw though, coming back to that one, tight game man, City almost, almost could have lost that one. What do you think? City should have lost that one, and Milivojevic, who's usually very reliable, and thank God Benteke didn't take that penalty, otherwise he would have been gone from Palace had he missed that (laughs) penalty for sure. Milivojevic, awful penalty, absolutely awful penalty. I was jumping up and down, I was super happy, I was like, okay, 92nd, 93rd minute. City, there's no way they're going to win this one. The worst that's going to happen is, he misses the penalty, and it's going to be a draw. And, well, he missed the penalty, and City started countering. And then there was a horror challenge by Panchin on KDB. As much as you want Man City to slow down, you don't want to see these challenges in the game, especially to players of the caliber of KDB, because you don't want to lose one of the best players in the world to a malicious challenge. And I felt it was quite malicious. He just wanted to stop him in his tracks. Lo and behold, Punchin's out for the season and KDB came back in the next game. Next game, dude. That's that's pretty impressive. I, I got a little bit of scare uh, personally just because I love seeing him and also for Guardiola, he's been he's been that bedrock in midfield for Guardiola, and we actually predicted this 
well not predicted we spoke about it that challenges and and um injuries are the only way that man city are going to slow down speaking of injuries to man city jesus got a bad injury a ligament tear on his knee and possibly out for a couple of months it's a big loss for city even though it doesn't seem like it on paper but the 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 contributions he makes to that team and what he does when he comes on instead of aguero he plays down that left he pulls back for defense and stuff it's a big loss for city i think it probably is he's probably uh just like jesus christ he's suffering for other people's sins and wow. probably one of the reasons oh why kdb came back so fast jesus. there was this jesus effect <laughs> but uh he's probably going to be back by the time city start their restart their champions league campaign and i think till then aguero can easily deputize uh, well what deputize i mean aguero's going to be starting every game pretty much from now on that's true i think another another injury to city one of their core members i think that's when it'll get really really tricky for guardiola to figure out how to keep going or keep the steam it's still a big loss i feel to city because now guardiola has one lesser option up front and uh, whenever he needs to rest aguero he'll probably have to keep playing that false nine which i'm sure he'll he'll handle pretty well still i don't think he needs to rest aguero now uh, probably won't play him in the fa cup but um every other fixture there is now till the champions league campaign starts there's not much going on i'm not sure uh, they, uh, yeah they are still in the league cup so uh, they'll have league cup commitments coming up so let's see how how guardiola juggles his squad his tactics and his formations but an injury to say sterling or a kdb could really you know put a spanner in the work and and ensure that they instead of winning three or four trophies this season maybe just end up winning one or two which well, well how sad that's so sad <laughs> <laughs> talking about city's neighbors um a certain manchester united are they the noisy neighbors now do you think considering how vocal and noisy moo can be in press conferences and oh man he's <sighs> I mean we haven't even started talking about the game and we're talking about Mourinho and and but you we'll know how much I hate him. I do, but we'll talk more about why you hate him a little bit after we talk about the matches they played. They played Southampton and Everton the last two match weeks. Southampton was um a fun nil-nil draw, I would say. Or Super fun. So much fun. I I took a couple of naps during that game. Had a few drinks, had some wine while watching it. Uh the game against Everton though. That was pretty exciting. That ended with a 2-0. Uh, 2-0 without Lukaku though. I actually like the look of United without Lukaku and I had a feeling that this might happen if he plays Pacey boys up front, you know, he played Martial, um obviously Lingard is similar player. Mata loves moving around the pitch and and filling pockets of space. So it was a very fluid front three in the second half at least. And Pogba just bossed that midfield like can't touch this. <laughs> it was it was fun to see Pogba coming into his own this game. He played I think one of the better matches of his seasons so far um he had two assists there but very controlled and controlling game that he played from midfield he was he was peppering his passes he was controlling the pace he was the focal point of the ball going forward so i was pretty happy to see him i think this is uh one of the few times i've seen pogba do what he did at maybe a juve maybe i think he's done it like thrice or four times ever since he's come ever since then like the first season was oh he's settling and this and that and then the second season uh he got that gap mid-season of not playing. So I think this game it was pretty reassuring for Mourinho and for United fans. I kind of disagree with you on on that one. Um as an analyst, I I look at I don't look at pure numbers. Even though uh you know statistics should form the the base of of what inferences you make about the game and patterns of play, but there are a lot of qualitative things that he brings to the pitch and I I really feel that Mourinho and and United should build 
a team around Pogba and any other individual in that squad because he has the ability to be world class he has all the physical attributes he has all the technical attributes is just i think it's a bit of a mental game with him as, as well as a bit of a tactical game with him that you need to sort of sort out i don't like going against what a certain ginger prince paul scole says but uh, <laughs> i still feel that like pogba will prove value for money simply because of his age and the fact that he's nowhere close to his prime right now he's going to come into his prime in the next 3 4 5 years that part i agree with but coming back to what paul scole said Uh, he said it also he said it i think after the united southampton game and before the united everton game and up until then you could see pogba just i mean it's just the way he runs i feel personally that it, it, him and ozil the way they run the way they conduct themselves on pitch it it gives an air of being indifferent towards the game right which is obviously not the case but pogba honestly wasn't doing much in that southampton game especially and i don't completely disagree with everything paul scores did but you know who does mr mr jose <laughs> <laughs> Honestly Mourinho's teams are known for their balance. He knows exactly how to set up his team to not concede goals and and score one two and and one two goals usually wins a game for a Mourinho team. His balance has not been right again in those three draws that he got. There was I believe it was Southampton, uh, Burnley and Leicester and two of them were at Old Trafford, was it? Yeah, I think so. I think two of them were at Old Trafford. So so I think he's having a bit of a balance problem right now and obviously the individual errors don't help. Lukaku case in point. Oh, so you think they won this game because Lukaku wasn't on the pitch? Well, possibly the fact that he wasn't defending a corner or a set piece, or like scoring own goals or something. Because because Big Sam <laughs> is known for um, scoring from set pieces and working on set pieces. So I think if <laughs> talking as a Big Sam sitting on the pitch, heading the ball in directly himself. Yeah, but what happens when Lukaku completely misses the ball and he's the one who's <laughs> attacking that zone and marking that player? So safe to say we're attributing United's first win in four games to Lukaku <laughs> not being on the pitch and defensively zero, zero <laughs> defensive errors. That's an interesting, interesting outlook. Uh, Mourinho, I think he kind of held back when he was criticizing Paul Scholes. Uh, it's kind of iron ironic because he said that Paul Scholes all he does is criticize. But I think because Paul Scholes who was who he was, especially for United, if it was someone else who was who was a great for some other team, Mourinho would have been on it for like five minutes. He, you could feel him like he was in rant mode. I mean, that's classic Mourinho, isn't it? You put him under pressure, and press conferences it just shows he's he's not the special one anymore. He's not the happy one anymore, and he just does not seem to be doing too well with the press these days. You know, in his last few months at Chelsea, his two years at United now. I I think he's lost like uh, coaches lose the dressing room I think he's lost the press. I don't know man. I think it's just a very testing se- I think this is the most testing season he's ever had because of the way City's playing and because it's Pep sitting on top of him right there and because of that you can see you can see cracks you can see cracks but I I don't I don't think he's lost the press completely it just has to do with how the next season goes or how he how he conducts himself but Mourinho he's he's a he's a dramatic guy he Will can get them back. Will he be there next season? Oh, interesting question. Interesting question. I think he might be though. I think so too. Yeah. Moving on from United. Well, happy time for you now, Bharat. We're talking about Liverpool. Woohoo. Uh, have I congratulated you on VVD yet? I think you have. Well, congratulations again. Thank it's, you. It's it's a butt ton of money that you guys have spent and let's hope he works out for you. I'm going to get a butt ton for Coutinho. So, ooh. Ooh, I like the resignation there. I mean being a fan I would have been like oh man yeah he probably won't leave if we get another player bro I'm a realistic pragmatic person okay realistically speaking how much do you think you're going to get for him I'd say 130 ish with reasonable add-ons unlike the ones Barcelona put in front of Liverpool in the summer just stupid 
Okay. And realistically, who do you think is going to buy him? I just said it. <laughs> the poachers. Oh, Barcelona. Man. That Nike leak midweek was so much fun to just like watch how it unraveled and social media is like oh someone's going to get fired for this that's bollocks man that's yeah. absolute bollocks that's a planned stunt that's a pr stunt 100% and it's just i mean don't even get me started man i'm i can i can totally i can hate on basa so much oh no please get started i mean what the hell who the hell do they think they are yeah fine you know what they probably been uh, along with real the best club in the last 10 years in europe but believe me clubs have cycles and barcelona fans who are my age don't realize that because they've only seen the good times of their club bad times come too and believe me when your bad time comes it's not going to be pretty i like why are you talking about barcelona's bad time because they just they just try to mastermind a move for coutinho like i i understand they use all of these channels which are outside of the general channels for like outside of the general channels <laughs> yeah it's it's coutinho talking about how his comrades in spain are looking already looking for a house for him in barcelona and that always happens that neymar has done this before is it a brazilian thing i mean Al- danny alves did it for neymar going to P- is it a brazilian thing It's- maybe maybe but uh, using your players to to sort of get the get the mills churning in terms of who's coming who's going that's that's a classic move i think and the whole nike thing though nike's done that before By the way, they did it with Paulinho as well for Barcelona. So yeah, I think Paulinho, the savior. <laughs> I think I think well, Paulinho is having a good season in Barcelona. By the yeah, way, yeah, he is. But uh, it was fun. And what was the best part about this entire incident was Klopp's reaction to it. He got asked in a press conference of what he thinks about this, and he's like, "I'm not interested." In like the most monotonic voice ever. I mean, he is resigned to it as well, right? He knows. Uh, and when you're talking about. you know putting the wheels in motion by players saying all this and and barcelona trying to maneuver a move bollocks man coutinho's has his heart set on a move everybody knows he's put in a transfer request they just they just trying to cement that making sure that it happens cuz i don't i don't know i'm not sure if this is going to happen during the january break or the summer i i can't even actually i'm on the fence it could happen either probably in the summer makes more sense coutinho coutinho's played well for liverpool ever since the whole uh, transfer things happening he's he's been clear about um the fact that whenever he's on pitch he wants to give it his best and he obviously loves liverpool liverpool's given him a lot um vice versa as well so i think it might happen in the summer and i think it'll be quietly agreed behind the scenes like the suarez deal was agreed like the navi keita deal well liverpool did that deal from uh, red bull leipzig i think it's going to be agreed quietly behind the scenes um and it's going to be released sometime close to the summer um i'm guessing there's a world cup in the offing and coutinho is definitely going for that uh, barring injuries i think uh, he's probably going to want to sort that out before the world cup or after the world cup so either way i think there's going to be a pre contract you know or, or a pre agreement happening in the next few weeks that we're not going to know too much about um and liverpool is going to be like listen guys you know what we want this much pay it take him in the summer we're not releasing him right now big shit take him in the summer probably and i think that that makes that gives more light into why barcelona is trying to well uh, use all of these tactics to sort of cement or make sure publicly privately that that continues coming so nike league i think stuff like this needs to stop it's completely completely unprofessional and it's clear as day that it's not a mistake it cannot be a mistake obviously it's it's such a big thing 
um whatever man i mean just word to barcelona fans what goes around comes around believe me it always okay, does okay all right all right mr prophet talking about the actual football games that happened liverpool ended up playing burnley this week uh winning 2-1 and they also had a 2-1 victory over leicester last week i'm actually way happier to see these victories than see 3-0 for it obviously i'm entertained and i'm elated when those when those happen but these two ones are hard fought they show character a certain word that a certain brendan rogers used to throw around a lot anyway they do show character they show resolve and they show the the soft side of the game which is equally important you know klopp has to inculcate that into his team to sort of even think about challenging for the title next season obviously not this season thanks to a certain baldy um so i'm i'm very happy with both the win- wins um the one against leicester was a really fighting win because liverpool kept on pressing and you know you really have to keep on playing and and at the same time be wary of leicester's threat on the counter because they really pose a threat on the counter with the pace of of vardy and the and the vision and the dribbling of mares so you know keep playing 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 and coming away with the three points there was super important and then the burnley one oh my god that was just so epic that was a game without sala sala was out injured and coutinho wasn't playing as well right no firmino no coutinho no no sala so I, was... i think that's a tougher victory than the leicester one especially against a side like burnley who who just just grind out like just just sit there and like absorb 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 and ragnar klavan man <laughs> i mean as much as klavan will get the the kudos for that it's that that goal is all lovren i mean that man can attack a ball why doesn't he do that in his own penalty area why does he do that in the other penalty area we saw that against dortmund in that classic match in the europa league semi final a couple of seasons back klopp's first season in charge and this i mean you have no idea how hard it is to direct that ball towards goal with enough pace on it and the direction on it klavan didn't even need to touch the ball it was going in but but i have to give it to both of them they're very maligned and uh, i'm not a huge fan of klavan but i do rate lovren 7 or 8 matches out of 10 yeah two matches he has howlers shockers he makes individual errors if he cuts them out i think he can be a really really good center half for liverpool and of course vvd coming in matip coming back to fitness i think those the four defenders I, i'm i'm fairly happy with the center backs at the moment because of vvd so who do you who do you think is going to start for them regularly lovren or matip so um what klopp has been doing this season is he's stuck with klavan because klavan has been injury free so that's a good thing about klavan is he doesn't get injured and he's a really good ball playing defender he gets the ball out really well and he brings balance to that left side because he's left footed as well so he's been rotating matip and lovren because both matip and lovren have been suffering injuries they've been suffering niggles and both of them have not been at the best this season because of those small muscular injuries that they keep on having saying that as soon as um matip comes to full fitness is going to be matip and vvd in my opinion as the first choice center back pairing and then either lovren or klavan as third and fourth choice rotating depending on form injury schedule suspensions etc rounding up the top 6 of the table we have spurs who did not end up playing last game week but have two matches this one the first one was against swansea well as per usual it was a routine win for spurs there the scoreline says it's a routine win it wasn't exactly a routine win i think the swans have improved a lot and there were three pivotal moments in the game and all three went for spurs and against the swans so i i feel for for the swans 
the first goal that Spurs scored, Lorente against his old club, clear offside. He's a yard offside. So that's a clear mistake that the the linesman actually apologized to the Swans boss for. Second one is a rebound, and Delhi Ali just puts in his own his own effort that came back off the keeper. And uh, the, probably the most important one was when Sanchez should have probably seen a second yellow. Uh, he brought down Martin Olsen, and the second yellow would have changed the game because it was one nil at that time. So and then instantly Sanchez went off and Vanyama came came on the pitch. So I think Spurs were fairly lucky. I think we owe David Moyes an apology. I'm not apologizing us. to him. Come on, man. I mean, it's it's too soon for an apology. I no, just you know I've what? given him you, props. That's good it, enough. It's, it's not just about um, the results that he's getting, and he's getting some really good results. That Newcastle one, barring the Newcastle one, he's got some pretty good results. The performances have improved a hundredfold as opposed to against Slavon Village because. David Moyes is actually a way better coach, and you can actually see that it didn't work out for him in at Real Sociedad. It didn't work out for him uh, at Sunderland, um, but I think uh, West Ham is a good fit for him. Uh, he has good physical players, tall players. He likes working with you know strong physical characters and uh, Andy Carroll. I mean, who who can resurrect that guy, right? But I think it's too soon for a us to apologize, firstly, and b <laughs> for for us to say that West Ham's had a good season. So it remains to be seen. A couple of decisions the past few weeks, which have maybe affected the structure of the table, especially for Arsenal and Chelsea's uh, case. And we'll talk a little bit about how that can be changed in our polls and predictions in the next segment. This particular segment, Polls and Predictions, is where you, our listeners, can jump onto our Facebook group, The Football Corner, or reach out on Twitter, at Football Babas, and let us know what you think about the polls and predictions that we run on a weekly basis. This week's poll is going to be whether VAR should be a thing in the Premier League or not. So VAR, which is a video assistant referee, is actually being trialed across leagues in Europe. And uh, will also be trialed in um, an FA Cup fixture coming up, I believe. I I feel it's super useful because, you know, you have the chance to review decisions. And the final call is still with the referee, I believe, on the pitch. Yeah. But he gets... he gets he gets he gets told especially it's literally like third umpire in cricket except the third umpire is not making the decision the right. referee and the third umpire share information uh, uh, the referee on pitch gets all the information related to whether it was or not and he basically uses that and takes a decision himself i think in uh, other leagues where it's been trialed they actually have a panel of three people sitting and if they agree on one particular decision that's all three of them have to agree and that's the decision that's taken interesting uh, I think that's how it's it's working. I'm not sure how they're going to implement it here in England. Obviously, the big drawback of VAR is, or or the people who are against VAR's use in football is that they feel it's a little too disruptive to the game, right? And sometimes a decision takes minutes to make, and that that messes with the flow. A lot of managers have come out and said that it messes with the flow of the game. It's akin to maybe uh, the the difference in flow that comes up when team waste time and changes and 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 playing the ball and stuff like that so some are for it i'm sure arsene wenger is for it and uh, <laughs> definitely it goes without saying <laughs> yeah and then you know what he's gonna he's gonna be for it and then it's gonna come in and then a decision is gonna be made against him and then he'll be against it 100 i agree happen. with you on that like no question asked <laughs> so uh the poll we're conducting this week is whether var should be a thing in the premier league asap it's a yes or a no poll there i feel like because it's already a, i feel that because it's already a part of the league that I watch as much as the EPL, which is the Italian league, 
I've seen I've seen how it how it affects the game on field. I've uh you can't take away from the correct decisions that come. Obviously, it's it's very similar to something like goal line technology, right? You cannot be denied a goal. So you cannot be denied a clear penalty or a clear uh, a foul like that. So I think it's a good thing. Maybe as VAR goes on and on, it has to be introduced according to me. And maybe as it goes on and on and on, uh, uh, the associations and the referees figure out a way to streamline the amount of time it takes to make a decision. And that, in fact, then should not affect the flow of the game too much. It does 100%. You can see whenever a team is is uh, uh, generally more positive and it's it's getting a lot of attacking opportunities and then something like a VAR decision comes into play it disrupts it a little bit but i think i think it's a shoe in it should be it should be a thing in the english premier league i mean football's a financial game right it's uh, it's all about money we're talking about millions of pounds here at stake imagine VAR had been employed in that chelsea versus barcelona game in 2009 there's no way barcelona would have gone through in that game so it affects you moving from semi-finals of the Champions League to the finals. And that's an automatic 20, 25, 30 million uh, euro jump. So A, the money aspect. And then B, it's whether you're for or against the human element. So wherever there's the human element or we're completely dependent on humans, there's going to be errors. Because nobody's perfect. And uh, refs, most of all, have a very difficult job. With VAR coming in, I think, like you said, the momentum of uh, of a team will definitely get disruptive. But if at the same time, because of that momentum, say they get a penalty or a free kick decision going for them or um, an offside decision that wasn't, I guess they would definitely be for the game. In my opinion, I think goal line technology was, I mean, that's a no-brainer because that's as quick as as can be. It's just a ball crossing a line or not. It's super objective. But VAR takes into account other decisions. So there's intent and what the player is thinking and, you know, the human side of it which uh, you can't really predict exactly what's going on inside a human's mind i think offside is definitely something that should be implemented without var it can be done i think there's enough technology around in terms of ai algorithms iot that it can totally just be a decision where the referee knows whether it's offside or not and and stops play accordingly and and the linesman should probably not even be involved in offside at all because it's um, again, something very objective. So um, I think offside is something that could have been done without VAR, um, at least at the top level. But I'm guessing it's it's coming into VAR as well. Because what do you do? I mean, if if uh, the linesman blows for offside and play stops and it's onside, you can't get play going again in that exact same position. It's impossible. Right. And whatever advantage would have been there has has gone away. Has gone because yeah. the momentum of the attack has gone and, and obviously everybody's, you know, changed their positions. So um so that's those are debates that we can keep on having. In saying that I'm I'm for VAR. Good points there. Jumping to the prediction that we have for this week, uh an exciting game next week between Liverpool and Man City. That will be one hell of a game. And okay, so what's your prediction for the game? I'm going for a score draw two two. A draw? Yeah, I am going for a draw. I think if there's any team that actually can actually beat City, it's Liverpool. Simply because Liverpool have clinical finishers and ruthlessness at times. And City do give you chances. So if you if you defend well against them, you have a little bit of luck. They're having an off day. I think Liverpool can beat this team. In saying that, Liverpool are weak at the back. VVD coming in, not coming in. He's probably not going to play that game anyway. I'm going for a 2-2. What about you? I am going for a City win. Duh. Wow. Look, okay. You, as you mentioned, they're weak at the back. VVD is not going to be a factor in this game. Even if he plays, it's going to be his first game for Liverpool. So it's not like Liverpool's just going to become solid all of a sudden. You still have a certain Simon Mignolet in goal. And uh, up against 
city <laughs> um, i just i i just hope it's not a goal fest for you guys uh, for city pep being pep when whenever it's a big game you know how he gears up for these big games he studies the team he makes sure everything's drilled in it's the smaller teams against which city grind out wins so i i i don't see this anything apart from a city win the reverse fixture against these guys uh, between these guys was a 5-0 city win um obviously that was the game where mane got that red card unfortunate red card the game was pretty even up until the red card but i don't know man even if mane would have stayed on i still thought i still think city would have won that game definitely not 5-0 though it not would have been a much tighter not contest but 3 points and i see i see city getting 3 points from this game as well as per the scoreline uh, i don't know i think liverpool will definitely get a goal in i think this will be a 3-1 city Well, we'll have to see, won't we? Yes, we will, Bharat. I'm so, I'm so pumped. Can we watch this game together? I want to see live reactions of your Let's face. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. Because I'm uh, really emotional when I watch games with, obviously, with Liverpool. Not just because it's Liverpool, but the fact that um, against a team like City, Liverpool need to be ruthless in, on the transition. And uh, if they're not, then I'm just going to be going haywire and you know going crazy all over the place. So yeah, definitely catch you, catch you at the game. <laughs> Let's do it. And now we jump to Indian football. What's what's the word with ISL, Bharat? Well, the thing that I want to talk about uh, in this episode regarding ISL is Delhi Dynamos is rock bottom form. They're propping up the table. Uh, they have three points, uh, which was their one solitary win that they had, and they haven't got a single point. They've lost six on the spin. That's six on the spin. Call out to Mr. Rohan Sharma, who's the director of delhi dynamos and seems to be running the club apparently his father's investment firm in the us bought over delhi dynamos from den networks and they are the majority shareholders now so rohan sharma is running the club it doesn't seem to be in delhi i think he's gone home for the holidays i mean he did come out with a with a long note of uh, apology on twitter a couple of days ago he 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 tried to explain why they went with what they did they trying to focus on youth don't have marquee players on there and wanted to build a foundation which is which is obviously not a bad approach and he also um came out with a tweet saying that he'd have one he'd take one shitty season and then win championships over finishing in the playoffs season after season and not win anything winning anything which is which is a it's it's the right mentality and uh, to his credit man he did apologize for for the debacle that uh, the dynamos are in right now and they rock bottom but it seems like the heart's there the intent is there so let's see what happens season onwards next season onwards i'm inclined to agree with him that okay you know what one shitty season and then win the championship but a there's no guarantee you're going to win the championship um the club have a, a contract with aspire academy for developing the youth teams and then moving those those players into the first team so I li- I like the fact that there's a, a roadmap that's related to youth me being associated with grassroots for most of my career in in sports and football but one of the things that he's said he's focusing on is actually coming closer to the fan base and actually building a culture in Delhi and and promoting football stars from North India that culture is nowhere to be seen I've been affiliated with the club in the past and it was pretty poor back then and I'm not sure they're doing too well in terms of engaging fans in delhi kerala games the 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 majapatas they outnumber delhi fans northeast games the the northeasters they outnumber delhi fans so i mean that's but it's also you have to give it to him that it's tough to compete with a settled fan base like something from northeast or from kerala or from goa or from from calcutta or bengal 
to compete with them from the get go is tough it has to be built towards that that being said i see i see no fan building happening around me uh, because we are living in delhi i don't see much of it happening i don't see the atmosphere there and i totally understand why the away fans outnumber the home fans in each game exactly right you're a delhi boy born and brought up here you spent majority of your life here likewise me i'm uh, uh, i wasn't in india for my college life but i came back uh, pretty much after and uh, there hasn't been much engagement there's not been anything that's brought me closer to delhi dynamos in fact um with my affiliation i was actually driven further away because of uh a, that that particular culture or lack of culture so to speak i'm hoping that uh, rohan manages to to put some some wrongs right and uh, let's see i mean honestly you're you're talking about established fan bases yeah okay i'll give you kerala goa bengal although they have their own issues bengal that is and the northeast but minerva i would i would argue minerva has a bigger following than delhi dynamos and and that's shocking that's absolutely shocking they're a much smaller club much smaller in investment and uh, they do the right things then i guess it, it, no they're more they're more so focused on youth as well so you know without any any disrespect associated maybe maybe actually see what they're up to and and uh, try and implement some of the things they've been implementing in their own model possibly it could be the right move Um talking about Kerala a little bit they just sacked their coach Rene Mullenstein right from his former united coach uh shown the door and guess who's back <laughs> the model himself David James David James is back he was a player coach in the, the last season the last season yeah. for Kerala Blasters and he's just been plucked out of thin air <laughs> put into the job and uh has been tasked with getting the best out of certain Dimitar Berbatov although I doubt that'll happen Uh I don't know man is he playing the season as well or he's just the no, coach No I think now? he's just the coach this season he's not playing Let's see let's see I don't know Kerala's been doing all right they're not I mean okay they're not they're not the greatest team there in the in the league Although you you can see the dominant teams in in the ISL it's uh, Pune's dominant with Zamrata and Masri you know they're on fire right. Goa's pretty good uh Chennai obviously dominant and and Bengaluru And then you have uh you know the likes of Delhi Dynamos and and Northeast United propping up the bottom of the table Yeah sucks for Rene though um kind of liked him but let's see let's see if 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 changing the coach has the same effect like it did with maybe west ham for example moving on from from that sad news to some truly sad news a sporting club de goa player actually committed suicide a couple of days back that's and terrible man it's it's awful and the club's official statement is that he came back from a from a party or the new year's party rather in okay. the wee hours of the morning and then nobody could reach out to him and then you know it's been ruled as a suicide and nobody really knows what's happened but it's it's super sad to see and uh, you you do see this from time to time in indian football because players don't really know where they're going you know what direction their career is going in what's going to happen in terms of uh, the money that they earn from from playing the sport that they love and probably the only thing that they truly know how to do is is play football It happened in 2006 when the former Indian captain VP Satyan committed suicide. He jumped in front of a train because he had money issues. You know these things. I'm not again. I'm I'm assuming that that was the issue. It could have been something completely different. But uh, no word yet on on exactly what's what's happened there. So uh, we wish the the player's family all the best and our condolences. That's right, man. That's. Truly, truly terrible news. Aristo Fernandez, rest in peace and condolences to his family. And uh, 
hopefully hopefully the the authorities get to the bottom of this the real reason why it happened and it's it's i understand that it's a problem with players not just in football but in other sports like basketball i think hockey and maybe cricket are the only ones that have a stable career uh the advent of of um ipl has has um kickstarted kabaddi players careers and stuff like that and i hope the advent of isl also has a positive effect on football players and local club players around the country as well so that about wraps up this week's episode of the football corner you guys can find us on soundcloud stitcher itunes or wherever you guys get your podcasts do check out our facebook group the football corner we're trying to get a community going around it we hope to see lots of posts from you guys there looking forward to that you can also reach out to us on twitter at football babas that's at football babas b a b a s is this a thing that's happening it's a thing, thing man it's a thing it's become a thing it's always going to be a thing that's how i'm going to introduce it even if i'm talking to someone on the face i like it bro i like it you can also reach out to us on email that's tfc@manchermedia.com our theme music is provided by kevin mcloyd you can find all his works on incompetech.com more details in the show notes this has been a manchermedia production see you guys next time happy new year guys see you soon